1: gift from blue nile whether it's for your mom a mother figure or yourself as a mom find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation explore blue nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns make this mother's day unforgettable with a piece from blue nile right now get up to 50 percent off at blue that's
2: blue nile.com burrow's furniture is built for the way you live Really,
3: 007. James Bond is coming back to the big screen in cinemas in the UK, and we're hoping to go to every one of the 25 films. Join us as we celebrate the 60th anniversary of our favourite British agents by watching them all, in order. We hope you guys are watching them too, so please let us know your thoughts. You can find us on social media at Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, and our podcast is available on iTunes and Spotify, as well as video episodes on YouTube. Simply search for really 7 pot. The 21st James Bond marks perhaps the biggest change in direction of the series. We had a new Bond in the form of Daniel Craig, and a reboot with Casino Royale.
4: Your file shows no kills, Bond. But to become a double O, it takes... two. How did you die? Your contact? Not well. You needn't worry. The second is... Yes.
1: The man was Le private banker to the world's terrorists, which would explain how he could set up a high-stakes poker game at Casino Royale in Montenegro. If he loses
0: this game, he'll have nowhere to run, you're the best player in the service. The Treasury has agreed to stake you in the game, but if you lose, our government will have directly financed terrorism. I will be keeping my eye on our government's money. And off your perfectly formed house.
4: You noticed. I hope our little game isn't causing you to perspire. It
0: doesn't bother you, killing those people.
4: Well, I wouldn't be very good at my job if it did. How's our girl melted your cold heart yet? James, get the girl out.
0: You're not going to let me in there. You've got your armor back on. I have no armor left.
4: You've stripped it from me. Whatever is left of me. Whatever I am.
5: I'm yours. The only question remains you yield? In time? <laughs>
6: hey sam here i actually recorded this a few days ago but i had a cold and so i ended up not actually going to watch casino royale and also i sounded terrible so hopefully i sound a bit better this time so casino royale i'm actually a bit nervous kind of ex- really excited uh, because it's the first bond film that i saw at the cinema in 2006 so died another day last week was the final official eon bond film that i needed to see on the big screen i've done that so I feel a sense of accomplishment having seen them all now but to be able to watch a film that i haven't well i've seen since but 16 years after i first saw it i can understand how um people who you know went to watch films like you know the spy who loved me or the living daylights or golden eye their excitement um, of going back to see it on the big screen again after so long because i think no matter what you think about the film it's still important to kind of reflect on you know something that kind of really helped you get started and although my initial thoughts about casino royale wasn't the best i've you know changed my opinion a few times to the point where i watched it again just before no time to die last year and kind of really appreciated it and it's now my favorite daniel craig Bond film. But just, if if I just, you know, speak a bit about myself, you know, indulge me for a little bit. You know, the year before Casino Royale, you know, they, the whole build-up to this film was all about, you know, a new Bond, a new style, you know, the right sixteen Casino Royale. I had just started watching you know, the films properly. I'd watched the films that I'd owned and caught the odd one on ITV, but, you know, it was mostly about the games, and then to finally be able to, you know, watch all of the films, which my mum's ex-partner, Rick, you know, gave me his VHSs to watch through. It was just really great to finally understand Bond a bit more, and I think, you know, about to leave primary school, which was that time, which was, you know, end of 2005, beginning of 2006, was my final year there, so there was a lot of change anyway that was about to happen, and, you know, to kind of like get this new experience was great especially because my my main love at the time was star wars and because the prequel trilogy had ended it was kind of great to kind of sink my teeth into something new to the point where i was asked i remember i was asked so many questions about bond in 2006 by a family member to the point where I answered all of them right and he was like you really need to like do something with this information and you know it took me a long time to actually utilise it in a good positive way but here we are but yeah so I think you know I've watched Kissing in the Cinema with uh, with Rick and my uncle Neville and so it was nice that you know I had you know people there with me to watch it you know it was really important to get you know the male influence um in my life at that time especially um so and they enjoyed it too so it was despite me not loving it at the time you know it was just a great experience and you know i can really reflect on you know what this film you know actually did and did really well one of those being Daniel Craig and I know we can we can all say something about Daniel Craig these days most people have things to say about Brosnan about Dalton you know everyone everyone has an opinion but this is so fresh um, especially after what's happened in recent years but I think you've got to admit you know he he does the job so well in this film and you know it's important to just kind of think about how much pressure this film kind of has you know, it's a bit. It is. You know, it's like a spy who loved me. It's like a, a golden eye. It's really is setting a precedent and a standard for things that are going to come. So if this doesn't work out, then that's a that's a real struggle. But in almost every area, this knocks out the park. The only thing that kind of frustrates me about this film more so nowadays is just that. You know, we don't get. It takes so long for some of the elements to kick in. You know, we don't we don't get a queue a money penny for for two more films you know we have you know judy dench who i love and who i'm so glad is back but maybe she's just given a bit too much here not that i would take anything out but still it's just it's it's tiny things with this film now whereas you know 16 years ago i had many more problems because this wasn't a roger moore film and that was that was what i wanted yeah i am excited kind of like to, to to see this on the big screen again but it's also Kind of sad in a way because I mean I was what eleven years old when I saw this at the cinema and you know you kind of have all these expectations and feelings and you know life has changed so much uh, for me since then you know I'm so happy that I'm able to kind of like share this experience with so many people who are who are going back to these films and kind of enjoying it and especially after two years of a pandemic it's nice to come together as we have throughout this time but to you know just appreciate this franchise and Casino Royale kind of solidified. Yeah, my love, even if, even if I wasn't a massive fan of it, <laughs> and I think that's just something to really take note of, despite, you know, the, the things that we may not like about this franchise, I mean, don't, you can't change them, it is what it is, but, you know, some people love, love them, but no, so I'm going to be going to Casino Royale tonight, super, super looking forward to it now, and yeah, I'll report back after I've seen it.
7: Hello, this is Gary Kay at The View Cinema, Longwell Green Bristol. i uh, not been to this cinema to see a Bond film in years, and i really looking forward to seeing Casino Royale today, one of my absolute favourite James Bond films on the big screen for the first time since its original release. Anyway, catch up with you after the film.
4: Em really doesn't mind you earning a little money on the side, Dryden. She'd just prefer it if it wasn't selling secrets. The theatrics are supposed to scare me. You have the wrong man born. If M was so sure I was bent, she'd have sent a double O. Benefit of being section chief. I'd know if anyone had been permitted a double O status. No. Your file shows no kills. And it takes two. <laughs> We barely got to know each other. I know where you keep your gun. I suppose that's something. True. How did you die? Your contact? Not well. <laughs> It, did he? You? Well, you needn't worry. The second is. Yes. Considerably.
8: I'm here with the lovely John Kell at the View Cinema, The Rock having just come out of Casino Royale, which is um, one of your favourites. John, firstly, how, how many times did you see it at the cinema when it first came out? And um, tell us your thoughts, having come out.
3: So I only saw this once at the cinema previously, and uh, I always thought at the time it was a brilliant film. It wasn't a brilliant Bond film. That was when I was 18. Mm, yeah. And that's, and that's basically because I've been brought up on, well firstly roger moore yeah. and then growing through a pierce brosney era so i always associated bond as this larger than life lovable aspirational character rather than i hadn't read the books at that point or anything of the sort so that was always my view so to see casino Royale was something completely different for me yeah and i've grown to love it appreciate it a lot more as years have gone on first thing i'll say is i think it's technically one of the best us films in the series I think yeah. regardless of if that's your preference on what Bond is no, no. how it's made the story the acting in it I think it is a, a very very yeah. very good I, film. I
8: think um, as well well I, I really think it's up there for David Arnold's scores Yeah, I think Maybe other than the mobile phones, and if you're into cars, maybe, I don't know, I mean I'm not, so maybe modern but it looked like it could have been made today, and you know the the action, and the way it's shot, and just visually and everything, I think it looks absolutely fabulous.
3: You've got the A-team on, you've got Martin Campbell, you've got Phil Mayhew, whose cinematography is timeless, Yeah, and then editing you've just got the director of executive decisions so basically yeah yeah so you've got a you've got a top team on it haven't you and it looks superb i i wasn't there last week but i want to ask you i know it's an obvious question but just how contrasting a cinema experience was it to die another day last week yeah
8: yeah i mean it is completely different almost it's such a it's, it's it's almost too different to be able to think that they they came you know consecutively. Yeah. There were a lot more laughs in Die Another Day. Maybe some of that might have been at the film, but I think <laughs> quite a few of them were with. That yeah. that tonight was the fewest yeah. laughs. Absolutely. Even though I don't you know there are some like quite humorous bits in it, but it's a very it is a very serious film and Maybe. it's it's quite I find it quite sort of dark okay. at times. There's a lot I don't know you know both literally and you know metaphorically or whatever I I find it quite quite a hard watch a lot of the time and I I, it it drains me I'm sure everyone there was probably a few few more than other showings here recently um, including um, sat behind me former Berry Striker John Newby and his wife oh really I didn't have the I didn't have the guts to say anything but anyway Uh, Yeah, so it was good to see a a former shaker in the uh, house to see it. But yeah, any any other sort of thoughts or, you know, things that were brought to life at the cinema, you know, uh,
3: fresh? There was dialogue that I picked up on that I hadn't picked up on before, like, end of sentences. So, I'll I'll go into detail on some things. First, what I'm going to go on about is Daniel Craig's performance. To me, I think this is by far and away his best performance. And I think he goes on a genuine journey on this film. Yeah. I agree completely with the argument that he isn't very likable in this film. Yeah. Especially in the first half. But I do think that that is a deliberate thing in this thing to actually, you know, he's not even wearing a tuxedo or anything until halfway through. It's very much this, this is a a real rough diamond who is molding to become the secret agent that we know and love. And I think that Craig does it brilliantly. I think the action in the first half is absolutely superb i think the, the free-running stuff is the best action of the craig era yeah i don't know how to put this though even though the action is absolutely brilliant it doesn't feel bondium I, I i i i can't mm. describe what i think here i think maybe it's because <coughs> a lot of it's a bit more down to earth but especially yeah. the airport stuff like, driving around, the fights in the airport, very much of its time. You were seeing that kind of thing in ball. Yeah, Um, yeah. And and i go back to the Brosnan era, which I associated with bottom because I grew up on that. You know, we'd be having quips in there, we might have been having a belt with a piton coming out of it. Yeah. It's not of that.
8: Well, I think, you know, I agree with you, and I I think it's shot brilliantly, and it's really exciting, everything. But I think if there is a bit of... Well, I've said you know in our review before. Maybe I think some of the action scenes are absolutely brilliant, and then maybe just a little bit anticlimactic towards the end. Yeah. That, you know, but not you know, that's, that's very harsh criticism. Um, but I'd say that the fact that those two, the Madagascar and Miami Airport ones, are both bond chasing some what what one person, if you know what I mean, yeah. just makes it quite. You don't often see that in Bond, you know, you, you might see it occasionally one-on-one but usually there are some other people along the way or I don't know, you know, Yeah. rather yeah, than a a, a, just a chase basically. So I don't know, maybe maybe there's something in that. What about, I don't know, the, the poker scenes? And, I love and it. Uh,
3: I, I love it I, I think that's very 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 Bondian I think Craig's at his best in the film in those seasons, if i being honest um, yeah. I think he balances it right in terms of the cockiness and the arrogance yeah. at first but actually and then the rage when he realises he loses but how he turns it round I, I think that I think that's the best bit that's my favourite bit of the film right, yeah. I, I think that that's my favourite bit of the whole Craig <coughs> era and it's the Probably one of my favorite bits in the whole series because it, at the end of the day I think that that is a modern take on Fleming's Bond I yeah. think that's what it is really yeah you know uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not a massive reader of the books but when I look at that to me as well it's no I don't want I don't want this to become a critical thing but it's no coincidence that this is the best story of this era because so much is adapted from a book. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I know the I know the, the skyfleet stuff, all that. That's brilliant because that just brings context to it. But because the book is basically at a casino all the it, way through. Yeah, but, it
8: is. Yeah.
3: But I think that it does it so well and I think Craig does a really, really good job with it. I think Mad Mickelson yeah. is brilliant. He, he is. is just such a creepy villain. Yeah. He is a middleman. He's not the main villain of the no. whole of the whole thing. But he plays it brilliantly. He has that kind of classic Bondian villain yeah. vibe about him. Not just because yeah. of the deformity.
8: No no but if you take away the eye and everything yeah. he's got that menace and that absolutely. presence. He's he's absolutely terrific. It's true. Yeah. yeah. Eva Green? She's brilliant. She she's yeah.
3: brilliant. She she has superb chemistry. And what she what she needs to do is she needs to be someone who is on a level with Bond in terms of how she delivers dialogue. I think it's no uh, you know to portray as Bond's true love, you have to have the best actresses doing that.. To yeah. it. And that's why Diana and Diana Rigg and Eva Green pull yeah. off superbly and probably why I don't buy into Madeline Swan as much, no. to be
8: honest as well. No, and it's, it's possibly quite difficult for the same actor to, for you to be convinced that they've had two great loves or some. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. it's, it's quite difficult. I really, you know, enjoyed... I, I, I always hesitate to say the word enjoy. I, I do enjoy a lot about the film. I can appreciate an awful lot about it. As I said before on our, our big review, I do struggle a little bit with the it like, after, after Le Chiffre dies, I kind of, I, and you know, there are the emotional stakes and everything like yeah. that, but I just, in terms of it being a Bond film, I struggle with there not being some big thing that he's preventing and some some big one that he's um, preventing, if you know what I mean, so, you know, and so I know that that's coming every time I watch it, but there's so much to appreciate, It's it's obviously not one of my personal favourites, but I can totally see why people absolutely love it and why... It, it it was thoroughly needed after dying of the day, Absolutely. and it, it gave it, it brought the um, the franchise back into the limelight, back into popularity. You know, gave it a kick up the backside, and 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 you know, I think um, again, I think I think we might discuss this, but the fact that it was followed by Quantum Solace, which I do struggle with that yeah. a lot, means that I don't know if. That, that has and may always affect how I fully feel about where this film leaves things, if yeah. you know what I mean.
3: I, I, I totally get that. I mean, this film... In some ways, I would be 100% bored that I'd put this on a level with on a Majesty's Secret Service if this was Daniel Craig's one and only film.
9: Do you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? I know what you mean yeah.
3: Because, because it, it should be a standalone in a lot of ways. But the fact that then they bring in what you want to call it, a spin-off of it next <laughs> yeah. and then and then the next film Bond's quitting the job and hates yeah, it yeah. and there's no middle ground in between and this isn't and the problem is is that you're right it's so easy to say that this film set the precedent before it but at the time it wasn't this film's fault. That that no I, no it wasn't, it wasn't
8: and they really do a great job of <laughs> just setting up a shadowy organization in the background Absolutely. That, that never really Comes to life, and I think you know. I was watching, it, I was thinking. I'm not even sure I like the way they went with Mr. White, really, and you know, and all that in Inspector and stuff. It doesn't quite ring true, I don't think. So ag- that character we just seen there. I agree. I, I completely
3: agree. I, I think there are so many great characters in this. In memorable yeah. Bondian characters. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Stephen Arbano. I love yeah. this
8: character.
3: Yeah. I, I, I don't even know the guy's name, but but. um the Chief's henchman with the knife. Yeah, and, I know, you know,
8: I know, yeah. Would have quite liked to have seen more of yeah, him. With him. absolutely. Mathis, you, Mathis, you know, what a great a brilliant character.
3: character. Um, Demetrios and his wife. Oh, yeah. Loads of brilliant, brilliant yeah. characters that all contribute to this film. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I, I don't want to get into a massive slanging match,
8: but I don't think we've seen that level of like characterization no. since. No, no. And no, absolutely. And also, I think it's the last time when they've got I think it's such a great thing getting Sebastian Foucault on in. Oh. Like seeing that there's this guy that does this and then right, let's get that in bond and let's let's show something people haven't seen before. Like even you know, even through to No Time to Die, I mean there are decent action scenes in all those films, but I don't think any that are so stand-out and so original. You know, in the same way as those free-running ones are.
3: No, I, I totally agree with you. And and you don't see all that much CGI in it. You see no. the building falling down at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. Not
8: bad, I don't think. But the stunts oh, yeah. are genuine and real. Yeah, they are. There's no yeah.
3: green screen going on. No, at the no, like no. That. And that's Bond to me. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I'm going a bit John Orte. But that no, is no. true though, <laughs> you know. It, that is Bond and and that should be celebrated. Yeah. And there's a there's a genuineness to it that you think, wow, that is actually yeah. happening. And the sound in there was so loud and so immersive that you felt every gunshot. Yeah, absolutely. Know, yeah. yeah.
8: I thought, I thought that. Yeah, I agree. And I thought, I, do you know, I especially felt it when, um, you know, it's not as I keep saying, it's not my favourite final third or climactic scene in the world. but you know, in the way it's shot and everything, and the way it, the the stunts are done, and for the house in Venice, like. When the uh, when the lift with Vesper went slammed down into the water, like I almost thought we might be sprayed with water or something. That point, it really felt, you know, like we were there.
3: Yeah, absolutely agree. It's not it's not a film I come out exhilarated by. It's a film I come out exhausted by. Yeah, but I'm quite exhausted when I watch on the Majesty. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, Um, right. There are different Bond film. This is not a Sunday afternoon Bond film. No, but in terms of like. The Daniel Craig era this is the pinnacle. This yeah. is this is him at his greatest, this is the the greatest story. skyfall yeah. has got lots of great bits as well. But the other thing I wanted to say, sorry, I am going on a bit here, but that's all right. The, 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 about the debut, of Daniel Craig, no one has ever been given so much focus as Bond in their first film yeah. as the, yeah. you know And that's because it's a, a beginning with Bond story. But as I said like the the introduction to Craig as Bond on the riverboat on the river was diabolical. You know the, mm-hmm. the promotion series. Yeah. He was doing he was doing another film, so he had a dodgy airport, he yeah. hadn't built up or anything like this. But then to put this focus on Craig, and it works. It works for this film in a great way. Craig delivers a great performance. Uh, it's a character study on Bond, which yeah. we haven't really had before.
8: No, no, no.
3: And it's great that we've got it.
8: Yeah. So any final thoughts before we uh, before we go, John?
3: I loved it. I absolutely loved it, um, not in, the, in a different way, Yeah. you know, in a way of appreciating what I've just watched. No, Yeah, that's a great film that does not feel like 15 plus years old.
8: No, oh no, absolutely not.
3: I'm really glad that we got it and I'm really looking forward to watching Skyfall
8: inspector. Yeah, yeah. What about you? Yeah, no, I'm I'm glad to have watched it again. mart um, obviously, you know, as I say, it's not one of it's not one of my absolute favourites, but I appreciate that there is so much so much good about it, and you know, totally agree with you know everything you've said. There are various aspects as well. I'm you know maybe think too far, maybe sometimes a bit too far it being a character study in terms of all the characters seem to be talking about Bond, which yeah. just jars a little bit sometimes. But no, I've really enjoyed it, and you know, I think in some ways it might be. Even though I do enjoy Skyfall, I think I enjoy the most out of Daniel Craig. Yeah. Movie. I enjoy Parts of Spectre as well. Yeah. And even No Time to Die, but you do feel a bit a case of what might have been in some ways with with Craig, particularly for, for say, 2006 to 2010. You might have had a different film to Quantum, and then another film, and you know, Bloodstone. Who, who knows? Yeah, Bloodstone. Bloodstone. Yeah. 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 So who knows, but it's been a great evening, John. Pleasure to watch
5: it with you. I suppose our friend, Mr. White, will have told you that I have provided reliable banking services for many other Freedom Fighters over the years. Do you believe in God, Mr. Le No. I believe in a reasonable rate of return. I want
3: no risk in the portfolio. Agreed. And I can access it anywhere in the world? Yes.
4: Have the money, so short another million shares of Skyfleet stock, sir. You must know you're betting against the market. No one expects this stock to go
9: anywhere but up. Just do it. Hey, Bond fans, how's it going? So, um, yeah, I also went to watch this particular Bond film this uh, last Sunday, yesterday. I've got to admit, I'm just going to say at the outset, this is my top Bond film. I just think it's fantastic. It's obviously Dan's first film, 2006. I must admit, when he first got the part for Dan, I just thought, and he was a good actor, I'd not seen Cake before this film, so I didn't know how he'd be in this kind of part. And I did think he was a bit of a weird choice, and uh, but we'll come to that later. It certainly didn't stay that way, that thought. The start of the film with the black and white, I must admit, when I first saw this in 2006 at the Flicks, I thought oh, do you know what, this is going to be good. I thought because the novel was quite, you know, a lot of it's based on a card game, much as this film is, I wasn't that convinced that it'd be, you know, what, what are they going to do with this? How are they are going to make it into an action film? And again, I'll come to that later and see what I think of that. But yeah, the black and white stuff with, the, with you know, going to see the the guy, the Stark Dryden, that's just so good. It's just pure Fleming. And I absolutely love stuff like that. I could watch things like that all day. Dan doing the shot, you know, he only shoots him in the chair. Absolutely amazing, and what he says after it. I've used that quote so many times, um, and then he gets into the song, Chris Cornell again just one of my absolute fave singers of all time i always get quite sad because obviously chris is not with us anymore so it always invokes a bit of a tear to my eye when i hear that song and i was lucky enough to see him maybe about a year or two after this film in london a festival and he was playing and he did this song uh, solo solo set yeah the david Adams score is uh when i saw that name when i first saw this film i thought oh god yeah this um this score is gonna be good as well and it certainly is there's so much loud music in this film and it just enhances the uh you know i always say it's like another person in the film the music you know and stuff like this and this is a good example of it i, I do love the chase you know with the guy you know and he's going jumping on all the stuff all that kind of thing that used to be, be my least kind of favorite bit of this film but i, I absolutely loved it on sunday when i saw that and uh, i thought yeah it's good it just goes into that quite quickly in the top of the film so i think maybe you're not quite expecting that so near the start but yeah great stuff i love the bit when he goes into M's flat and he starts to kind of look up these people and all that kind of stuff again, it's just pure Fleming and uh, Judy Dench just just comes into it so well at the start. And I love pissed off M, you know, when she's having to go up Bond and kind of shouting at him. I love any, I love the expedition that M Judy does in this film where she explains quite a lot of the plots through the film, but it's not done in a sort of a a dumbed down way like they sometimes do in some of these films, uh, particularly some of the 90s ones. It's just done obviously Judy just can do that stuff like that in his sleep, so that's that's so good and I did sort of notice that and the Bahamas is good you know with all the spy work when he's looking up the text message and all that kind of stuff again it's just like Pierre Fleming and uh, I can just lap up stuff like that Uh, the Aston Martin is, you know obviously the old one the DB5 that he gets with the card game that's such a cool touch is that and it sets up the card skills for things later you know in the way how he coolly is with it you know yeah Solange is nice you know obviously is an additional Bond girl early on you know it's not going to end well if you watch the older films so you know she's kind of not long for the world after she kind of helps him out a little bit uh, I do love the airport bit. That's just so tense, and again, the music's fantastic in that bit. They could have just um, just trimmed it a little bit. I think the airport bit on, of the film, you know, it goes on quite long, and it seems to take quite a while to get to the bit, you know, with the, the tanker truck, you know, going up to it. But I'm just I'm just nitpicking there. That's only a little bit. And it just yeah, I love the way they set up the card game in the Bahamas when Em comes to see him, and obviously Salang has been killed, and it it kind of you know explains why he set up the car game and all that kind of stuff it you just think oh god this yes, is going to be good this is like the, going to be the main bit of the film we should expect what the, the book is based on i mean who can forget vespa i mean Eva's just absolutely gorgeous i didn't know much about her when i first saw this i mean i got to met a in to see anything else when i saw this i still think she's quite new to all this kind of acting game I, actually when i first saw this film I, I didn't like it all that much you know it, i don't mean i didn't fancy her she's gorgeous but i just mean that because she's so kind of kind of icy with him and you know and knowing and a bit too confident you kind of know in the back of your mind that it's a bit of a bluff and she's not as, as confident as that you know and she's doing it on purpose you see the chemistry between those two obviously the actors themselves you can tell they must quite like each other i don't know whether dan was uh with his future wife at this point but uh wouldn't have been surprised if she was uh turning up to the set when, <laughs> when they were doing some of this stuff maybe who knows but um, yeah, yeah, good chemistry between those two, which um, obviously gets even hotter later. Yeah, it's it's, it's nice that they go to Carlsbad, uh, obviously the former um, used to be called Carlsbad. There's a lot of history to that place and it's just kind of an offbeat and quite a vintage style location, which again is nice. I, I guess I keep saying stuff like that, that's what I love about this film, it's just so modern but old school at the same time. It's almost like this film could have been 30 years ago and a lot of it would have been quite similar. You know, maybe not the effects and stuff, but that's what I love about this, you know. I don't. I still don't know how they made this film so good. I mean, uh, yeah, Mathis is good. He's, he's obviously like um, some of the older allies from the older films. You know the ones I mean. Yeah, he's, he's a cool guy. I've seen him in a few things. He's uh, Giancarlo G- Gianni, I think, something like that he's called. I love Michael G. Wilson's cameo in The in the Square. That's a good one. It's obviously quite an obvious and a pointed one. Always good to see that guy in the films. And yeah, yeah let's get on to the Chief. I mean, Mads is such a cool guy, I mean. If you're going to be cool in middle age, you want to be like Mads Mikkelsen I mean, anyway. just obviously in Hannibal and stuff like that, he, he just absolutely flies with those dark suits he wears and all that kind of stuff. Such a cool baddie, you know. And obviously, it's got the old-school kind of facial thing with his, his eye-you know, the different colour eye kind of thing on his scar, which is good on you know, his eye. I, I like the kind of the. Um, the old school guys at the the card table, you know, the, the kind of concierges and all those kind of people. You know, Michel Bond. You know, I love that when uh, Vespa's going to the bar, he keeps looking at Vesper and he's not listening. And it's just, that got a good laugh, but certainly for me and a few other peeps in the cinema. But, uh, and uh, it's a good way to set up Felix as well. I must admit, when I first saw the film, I think I'd... I'd not looked in INDB. I didn't use it a lot then. I think I'd heard that Jeff was in it after doing the invasion with Dan. So I thought, yeah, it's, I think he's going to be Felix. So I didn't actually know, but and the poisoning bit's good as well. It's obviously um, you know that kind of stuff is uh, is like some of the books. I forget which one. I'm sure, he gets that happening at least one of the books. Some of the players at the table. It's obviously uh, if you've watched You watch, Only Live Twice, you'll you'll know. One of the ladies at the table that's, that's playing, that she's there earlier in the uh, the film as well. But the torture scene is is uh, obviously you get a guy from Snatch as well. You know who I mean? If you've seen Snatch, the course I am, guy. Um, so it's quite funny seeing him in a serious part there. And the torture scene is so, so tense, I mean again it's just like pure Fleming that I, I love going to Venice, I mean I'm actually going uh, next week, I've seen a few of the locations I've actually stayed near to uh, one of the main locations when Vespa starts walking away, just down that little street, I can back to go back to that place, so the, the Venice bit for me is like the dessert of this film, you're kind of building up to it, you know it's the dessert, it's the cheese and biscuits of this film, it's cool that they use the Benedetto Marcello as well at the end uh, which if you know a lot about Bond films you'll know which film that was used in back in the 70s, I think I've said enough now of but- but you, I obviously, it's obvious to anybody listening to this that I love this film. I just, I never get sick of it. It's just so, so good. I just wish they'd take this much care with each of the Bond films that they do now. You know, obviously we're starting again from the from the top. Just please, guys, just just make as much effort at least when you do the next one. No time today. I do quite like it, but I don't think there's going to be another Bond film again that uh, he's as good as this one in our lifetime maybe there will be but I, I can't see it somehow it'll never quite match it somehow but who knows i hope i hope there is the ending at the villa is just so good i mean uh let's mention mr White as well mr White is obviously does does more in future films that guy's so cool i've seen him in a film with a few other people you know a few other films and he's obviously in the uh, a couple more films yet of this franchise but um yeah the ending at the villa with um dan doing the immortal line at the end is fantastic well, yeah, thank you for listening. And uh, just keep checking out what these guys do on this podcast because uh, I love what they do. They're such nice guys. And just keep checking out these podcasts that they do because they're doing one for each of these films. And it's a pleasure to be a part of it as well, to be invited to uh, to do it. Um, so thank you. Thanks to uh, Tom, Math and all the other guys. But yeah, check me out on Twitter. Bond Twitter is a fantastic place for Bond fans. My handle on there is the Northern Who Love Me, so uh just check out some of my um fairly witty stuff that I sometimes they do about Bond films, but I just love talking with people about these films like we all do. But yeah, thanks for listening. See you later.
10: Hello, this is Noel here from Dublin in Ireland and I saw Casino Royale last night. I have to admit I have grown to have some mixed feelings about this movie over the past couple of years. When it first came out I lost a lot of faith in the series due to the previous incumbent and the direction that Barbara and Michael decided to go in. So I really had very low expectations and when I went to see it I was pleasantly surprised. I thought Daniel Craig was a revelation. But still all the same, there was always a bit of a nagging dissatisfaction with the movie. I kind of think of the movie like a a jigsaw puzzle that's made up of bits from other jigsaw puzzles and they're kind of just jammed together there's a strange disconnected quality to the movie the whole sequence in italy and the subsequent venice scene and this sudden romance between bond and vesper i just always found it really forced david arnold's score is far more restrained and a little bit more thoughtful and measured but the music he uses to tell the audience that vesper and bond are in love i mean it is absolute soppiness and i'm not a cynic i love a good romance if it's earned if it's deserving but in this film you know arnold is quite the accomplice to the filmmakers and really trying to hammer home to the audience that oh, these two people are in love oh my god it's wonderful just so that we can have this betrayal scene where we're all supposed to be absolutely stunned it's a terrible bit of manipulation and I do feel that's the Venice sequence that really shows up the film's lack of continuity. And going back to my wonderful jigsaw puzzle metaphor, which I'm quite proud of. I feel that sequence would have worked a bit better had Le Chiffre made it to the end of the picture. And I believe that it was a bit of a late addition to the script. They couldn't quite come up with an ending and it does really show. The card game itself has a start-stop approach. A bit of a flaw in the film that it's trying to be very sophisticated. The filmmakers know they can't tell a compelling story unless the entire audience are au fait with Texas Hold'em. But thankfully we do have Remy Mathis to do commentary for us. His exclamation of, my God, it's the tell, is as ridiculous as the notion that Such an expert like Le Chiffre would have such a blatant tell in the first place. The start stop ants in their pants nature of the the poker game reflects the, the lack of confidence the filmmakers have. Admittedly it is tricky but there's an element for me of if they can't invest in it as a premise then why should I in the first place as an audience member. The highlight for me of the movie is actually probably the first 20 minutes to be brutally honest chris cornell's song and the accompanying titles are just spectacular it's just absolutely amazing piece of music and the visuals and i I do remember watching it back in 2006 and just a brilliant exciting moment i must say for a brand new bond movie but then we come to the probably one of the best action sequences i think in cinema over the past sort of 15 20 years and it's the chase sequence uh, i often hear about the story of the spy i love me when uh, at the end of the pre-title when the union jack parachute comes out and everybody in the audience stood up and clap i i often have a compulsion to want to clap at the end of that sequence yeah it's it's i think there should be a clap for camel whenever that sequence is played i was thinking about why the film doesn't quite sit with me I think it's a little bit tedious at times, if I'm to be honest. Even the stuff in the Bahamas, which I don't find a particularly appealing backdrop. Uh, The whole sequence in Miami airport, it's a bit dragged on and probably a bit overcooked. Again, even Vesper herself, I mean, she's fine, she's okay. I don't find her as lovable a character as some people might or even sympathetic. But what I kind of rediscovered from watching the film, and this is a positive, is Daniel Craig himself and in terms of a screen actor, in terms of a physical presence, I mean he has an absolutely fantastic face for cinema, great architecture, um, really stands out as a leading man and there are some screen actors who, they don't say much on screen, they'll tell you that less is more, when really the truth is they're just not very good actors. But Daniel Craig is one of those rare actors who's well able to act and emote. But in, in this film and, and in his role as James Bond, he, he just didn't need to do that. He's great power in his silence. And that's what you want from a leading man. You you want the audience to be alongside him and to connect with him in some way and, and to be the most compelling person in the room. So that's my review of Casino Royale. Sorry,
4: You've got a bloody cheek. Sorry. I'll shoot the camera first next time.
1: Or yourself. You stormed into an embassy. You violated the only absolutely inviolate rule of international relationships. And why? So you could kill a nobody. We wanted to question him, not to kill him. For God's sake, you're supposed to display some kind of judgment.
4: I did. I thought that one less bomb-maker in the world would be a good thing. Exactly. One bomb-maker.
1: We're trying to find out how an entire network of terrorist groups is financed and you give us one bomb maker. Hardly the big picture, wouldn't you say? The man isn't even a true believer. He's a gun for hire. And thanks to your overdeveloped trigger finger, we have no idea who hired him or why. And how the hell did you find out where I lived?
4: Same way I found out your name. I thought M was a randomly assigned letter. I had no idea it stood for...
1: Utter one more syllable and I'll have you killed. I
4: knew it was too early to promote you. Well, I understand double O's have a very short life expectancy. So your mistake will be short-lived.
1: Bond, this may be too much for a blunt instrument to understand, but arrogance and self-awareness seldom go hand in hand.
4: So you want me to be half-monk, half-hitman?
1: Any thug can kill. I want you to take your ego out of the equation and to judge the situation dispassionately. I have to know I can trust you, and that you know who to trust. And since I don't know that, I need you out of my sight. Go and stick your head in the sand somewhere and think about your future. Because these bastards want your head. And I'm seriously considering feeding you to them. And bond. Don't ever break into my house again.
2: Mom. Hello, Darren Bithel here, back from my self-inforced sabbatical, to bring my take on Casino Royale. The proper one. When the fortieth anniversary of the James Bond franchise came along, and we had to wait an extra year for the new film to commemorate this occasion, I was buzzing more about that Bond film than in recent years as I thought the world was not enough was a couple of steps ahead of the rather dull Tomorrow Never Dies. Since GoldenEye, I always watch a Bond film three times in the cinema upon release to develop an objective opinion of the film and slowly removing the Bond fan blinkers. When I first saw Denial Another Day, I thought it was Brosnan's Moonraker. Everything cranked up to 11 and with awful special effects. Upon the third viewing, I realised that Moonraker was 2001 in comparison to this Pile of steaming excrement. This is the only Bond film I believe that is absolute and total rubbish. You've got double entendres that wouldn't have been in Carry On Emmanuel, you had CGI that were worse than what a Sinclair Spectrum could produce, and a director that was mistaken that James Bond was campy Batman. Imagine if Lee Tamahori directed Diamonds Are Forever. Oof. It's a blot on the most beautiful of landscapes a rusted old tanker stuck alongside the Amalfi Coast or a good luck message on the Venus de Milo. No offence, but when it was announced that Pierce Brosnan would not return as 007, I breathed a huge sigh of relief. A new era, a clean slate, forget what gone before. I was really excited that finally Casino Royale was going to be made for the big screen, and with a director that knows the mechanics and soul of a Bond film. Then the rumours flew as to who would play Bond. What I do remember regarding the build-up of that announcement was I believed it would be Clive Owen to pick up the PPK, which was kind of resigned about. Just the same feeling I would have if Henry Cavill took the part. The name of Daniel Craig I thought was used as a smokescreen, as I saw him more of a villain than a hero. When the smokescreen turned out to be the truth, I thought, now we're getting serious. I stayed away from the vitriol that swarmed the internet about his casting, as to respond to such nonsense meant they got what they wanted. I could have sent them instructions into how to use a front door, but I withheld. When the theme song was released, I did have my reservations when knowing it was Chris Cornell performing it, thinking it was too strident to move. When I heard it, I was like Meg Ryan in a New York deli. John Barry meets the Foo Fighters. Instant bullseye. I prayed this was a good omen. Upon the first night of release of Casino Royale, I had to contend with a couple making out to the immediate left of me, hidden under a strategically placed large raincoat. This was in Cineworld Chester, I hasten to add, not Soho. All my restrained expectations and hopes were realised. About the film, that is, not the couple. I left the cinema thinking, now I know how people felt when they first saw Doctor No in 1962. I said straight away, this was the best Bond film for over 25 years. Now the Casino Royale has time on its side. It is, I can safely say, in my humble opinion... The best James Bond film of them all. From the end of the relatively short pre-title sequence, you are bought straight away that Daniel Craig is James Bond. It's the perfect fit. What he lacks in hoagie Carmichael looks, he exudes in cold-blooded, near-psychopathic traits. Used as an armour that can be stripped if he dares. And a sense of humour as dry as the martinis he doesn't give a damn about. From the first killings to grant him O status, to the utterance of that famous line right at the end, Daniel Craig gives a faultless performance and couldn't have made a better two-fingered salute to all those horrific naysayers at that time. Perhaps we should praise those naysayers because arguably, if it wasn't for them, the film may not have been as good as what it is. It's one of the best feelings proving someone wrong, I've been told. When I was made aware of the cast of the film, there was a part of me that did have doubts, mostly because I hadn't heard of any of them. At least the Brosnan era had star names to be reassured of, even though it's argued... They weren't served as well as they should have. How wrong I was! And I was so pleased I was wrong. Ava Green is just wonderful as Vesper, who is a much more layered character in the film than in the book. The chemistry with Bond is far more believable than with any future love interest in this Bond's arc, and the dialogue flows effortlessly between them, except for one small line in which Bond must mention the make of watch he wears. It's like hearing a jump on one of your most precious final records. The shower sequence is so tender and almost too voyeuristic to sit through. The Contessa Teresa will always be my favourite Bond woman, but my goodness, she's a very close second, with a death that's more prolonged and therefore much harder to watch. Speaking of dialogue, the script of this film is just magnificent. It's clear that Purvis and Wade need that third man to raise the levels they achieve. And with an Oscar-winning writer such as Paul Hagis... It certainly did that. The way they updated the story for the 21st century is brilliant and was interpreted to magnificent effect by Martin Campbell. I would argue that the odds against this film were far greater than with GoldenEye. With GoldenEye, it was more whether the franchise was relevant and still popular, even though the James Bond they chose was overall approved. This time round, the previous very popular Bond was to some people dumped for someone who many thought wasn't Bond to star in a film that was originally done as a messed-up psychedelic 60s parody. The constructive tension between Craig and Campbell helps serve up a Bond film that fizzes from beginning to end, and at a length of 144 minutes, two minutes longer than on Her Majesty's Secret Service, never does it go flat. The other pre-title sequence, if you like, featuring free-running Sebastian Foucan, is a fantastic way to show the bull in a china shop approach Bond has throughout this film, even resorting to running through walls to get to his aim. The airport chase is still tense no matter how many times I watch it and the final Venice confrontation within the floating house is so bruising you feel you should have some yourself. The adversaries in this film are varied and highly interesting in their own way and how they look. Gettler with his distinctive glasses, Vilenko with her Gabrielle hairstyle, the ice-cool Carlos until he realises he's pushed the button for his own demise, Demetrius who doesn't know when to lose gracefully and the mysterious Mr. White. But of course it's Le played with such magnetic assurance by Max Michelson that leads the field. His arrogance turning to desperation throughout the film, leading to the infamous torture scene for Bond, making the need for the eye that weeps blood an unrequired novelty rather than a necessity so strong is his performance. I must admit I hadn't heard of Jeffrey Wright before this film, and I just wish he had more to build a realistic relationship with Bond. The chemistry is there instantly with Mathis, who for me is equal with Kerem Bay as Bond's best ally. The relationship is made much stronger when Bond goes back to Mathis to say sorry in a way, but you wouldn't get Bond to admit that, of course, in the sequel in inverted commas. It's great that Judy Dench is back as a fiery M, having been a little bit blunted in the last two films. I think this is David Arnold's best score in his run. Gone are the needs for overused electronic beats, and with the liberation of not using the Bond theme until right at the end, It opened up all kinds of opportunities, all taken by the scruff of the neck, with such pounding sections of music, such as African Rundown, Miami International, and Stairwell Fight, then to the moving pieces of Vesper's theme and City of Lovers. The Bond theme, right at the end, is used with a purpose, as opposed to a necessary requirement. So, last night, I was back at View Cheshire Oaks, with my wife alongside, and the screening that had the largest attendance in this Bond run, likely helped by the National Cinema Day offer of £3 a ticket. But to spend £3 to see a film that appears to be on constant repeat nowadays on TV, it shows that this film always delivers. Furthermore, it was noticed that about half the audience were of the female persuasion, and I'm sure we all know why. My wife decided to attend this screening in case she missed anything the last time she viewed it. You mean any muscle types, I questioned. Trailers were shown before the main feature, one of which was DC's latest epic, Black Adam, starring Dwayne Johnson, and a certain Pierce Brosnan, whose beard makes me wonder if he's going to replace Fred Sirius in First Dates. I mean, Fred is a very busy man these days. It's kind of a strange feeling to see Pierce in a trailer for another franchise before watching a film from the franchise he's most famous in being involved with, and the Bond film I think he truly wanted to star in. Having a break from the cinema run really helped rejuvenate the anticipation levels, and all through the screening, I was orchestrating my own 4DX screening, moving at every stunt, wincing at every moment a rope impacts, foot stamping along with the soundtrack. I felt exactly the same leaving this screening when I did when I first saw this film 16 years ago. With Licence to Kill being my last Bond film viewed in this run, the spectre of Timothy Dalton is more prominent in this film, but I'd forgotten how well executed Daniel Craig brings the humour in this film, whether it's pretending to be a valet at the Ocean Club a reminder to Demetrius of leaving the valley ticket for the Aston, the short trip he offers to Solange to his place, the banter between Bond and Vesper, the requirement of having a niche scratched whilst his balls are being turned to mash, and the delivery of some classic but corny one-liners, such as That Last Hand Almost Killed Me. My ideal portrayal of Bond would be a mixture of Fleming with a subtle tongue-in-cheek. Sean and Daniel are partners in achieving this for me, although I have heard recently... That there's someone called Michael Flatley that could enter this club also. I'm not going to go through every scene to prove why this Bond film is perfect in every way. From the get-go it's fizzes, it's intense, it grabs you by the lapels in a Mr Hinks type grip and never loses its strength. If I'm going to be really 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 nitpicky about this film there are three things. One, as mentioned above, is the Amiga name drop. Second, why couldn't Richard Branson leave his ego at the door for once And finally, Mr. Michael G. Wilson, Sir, Lord, Master, King of the Producers, is the most unconvincing chief of police, especially with a lady at each arm. Was Clifton James with us in 2006? Anyway, casino is a two-fingered salute to life-wasting shadows, and even got critics on their side too. But then came the question of how you follow it up. All the best, guys.
5: Trevor Baxendale here, and last night I saw Casino Royale on the big screen again. I remember coming out of this in 2006 and being totally blown away. I didn't think it was possible to take such an old, very established film series like this and reinvent it so completely. It was slicker, faster, more mature and more emotionally wrought than anything that had gone before it. More violent too, even going into Daniel Craig's 007 debut, the first proper adaptation of Ian Fleming's raw as hell debut novel. I doubted they'd have the nerve to leave the infamous torture scene intact. The thing is, they not only included it, but they doubled down on it, giving Craig one of his defining moments of absolute glory as Bond. Bloodied, battered, but never beaten. Tied to a chair and getting his private smashed with a knotted rope, he still wins the psychological battle against Le Chiffre. He jokes through the agony, through the screams of pain, just to get under his tormentor's skin. We've never seen Bond like this before, but we knew, indisputably, that this was our man. Sixteen years on, that scene, and the film that frames it, has lost none of its potency. Daniel Craig gives the Bond films undoubtedly the finest acting performance in the title role, bar none. Was humanising Bond so elegantly the right thing to do, though? Well, that's a different argument. They did it, Daniel Craig did it, and to immense critical acclaim and commercial success. Bond was on a new, fresh, open road. But now, knowing what's still to come, everything in Casino Royale is given that little extra weight an edgier significance. Consequence, in fact, which is something else that was new to the series. Because we know... Tracking down the mysterious Mr. White isn't the end. It's only the beginning. Check.
0: Check to you, sir.
4: All in. No way.
8: 20,000.
1: Table stakes. I'm sorry, sir.
8: Okay. This is on the table.
4: That's my car.
2: Want a bet?
1: I'm sorry, Mr. Demetrius.
4: Please, no. Give him a chance to win his money back.
1: All right, show me, gentlemen. Hmm. Three kings.
4: Trip aces. Oh, and the van ticket. Thank you.
6: So I came back from Casino Royale at the cinema a little while ago. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was excellent. I thought, you know, it's it's weird to see a film from from that time for me at the cinema because it doesn't feel like it should be that long ago, but it's 16 years, so it really is. But, um, you know, I think back to when uh, Star Wars The Phantom Menace was re-released in 3D in 2012 and I remember being like, oh, 13 years since I saw it. Oh my goodness, but know 16 years isn't a you know it's an additional three years and it's back to a time that i remember even more and so it was really weird but kind of like really lovely as well and i think it's great to you know appreciate film in general a bit more as well and, and go back to a film like that on the big screen i messaged tom just before the film started because i realized that the the screen had about 30 you know 30 odd people in there and the vast majority and i would say Apart from maybe three or four people, all of them were were people who seemed like they were around my age. Definitely majority in their 20s, maybe early, early 30s. And that's the first time that a, a screens really had a large number of people from that age demographic in. So I found that really interesting. Um, because it's just not happened before with any of the other Bond films. It's always been kind of a mix or a mostly older crowd, older than myself anyway. I should say. So yeah, I thought that was really interesting. I, I kind of, I kind of appreciated that experience a bit more because it kind of made me feel, oh, these people, a lot of these people may have watched this film when my age and it was it was just kind of nice being around in that environment biggest laugh a laugh from from everyone was now the whole world's gonna know that you've been done scratching my balls that got the biggest laugh not that there's very many big laughs in a film like this but there was the odd two or three times i think and that was that was the biggest one let talk about the film itself i think what what it does is really hold up and i think one of the main reasons for that is is martin campbell i mean i've not mentioned directors really since John Glenn. I think I may have mentioned Martin Campbell in GoldenEye. I've not mentioned other directors since Martin Campbell, I don't think, in mean, GoldenEye. They are, they've done a good job, I mean, apart from Lee Tamaharu. I think Martin Campbell just knows what to do and he's so good at kind of making these extravagant, elaborate action sequences and then... Completely 180 slow emotional sequences with some fantastic dialogue. And so it all that all works in this film and I think my only complaint is just that I think some of the elements of bond that you you would usually see are not here, you know and I and I get I get why it's not. And I'm, I'm more understanding, understanding of that now than I was. But I mean, it's things that I just wish that there was a bit more character development for some of the other characters that barely speak. I wish Felix had a little bit more. I wish lashifra's henchman got a bit more. Because it is a bit weird because you go from like Demetrius being like the, the baddie for a bit and then it's lashifra for a bit, but then he's not the main baddie. So I think there's it's, it's this weird overlaps there. And I think, you know, it's fine, but I think it means that it's, you can't, Properly latch on for too long um, to people. Although yeah, Mads Mikkelsen does a really really good job, and I think he's excellent in this. And so he's such a presence, and that's undeniable. I will say one of my main other criticisms. I would say, even though this is a bit, I've had such a positive experience this time around, I'm not a fan of Mathis. I'm not gonna lie. Like I just think for me, he's like Basil exposition exposition. It's just for me, it just feels so obvious, and I don't really. Th- think he adds that much and although he's a bit charming he to me he he's barely he barely scratches the surface for me in terms of like actual great allies and then i think his ending's a bit confusing i know they kind of take care of it in quantum but i think if we just look at this film alone i just kind of go oh okay all right so yeah i know that's that may be a bit controversial i think a lot of people like mathis and i th- i th- I think the acting's great but yeah sometimes it just makes me roll my eyes a little bit it's like 120 million in the pot and i'm just like oh whatever but uh, <laughs> that, that's just one thing everyone else i'm kind of like here for Vesper, eva green she's she's fantastic i wouldn't say she's in my like the upper echelons of bond girls you know leading women in in these films i think she has a great character to work with and i and i love what she does but for me i just prefer some of the others i I kind of find some of the love more believable between other bonds and their other female leads so although i'm i'm invested in 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 these characters in this film. It's not... For me, not the very best. I know a lot of people will put Vesper at the very top, and will put their relationship between Bond and Vesper at the very top as well. I mean, I mean, I'm a die-hard Tracy and Bond fan, so. <laughs> but I think even disregarding that, I think that I think what we see in this film, I I just need a little bit more from um, Vesper and Bond. Although their banter is great, and it did make me chuckle this time. It's nice. It's nice to like see something that's a bit more relaxed and isn't totally focused on on you know the mission. You know. Compared to jinx and james in the last film which just feels like a complete far cry score david arnold you know i've never been his biggest fan i've enjoyed the music but i've never been kind of like a oh yeah david arnold i I can't lie this it's a great score it's a fantastic score african rundown comes on and i just get so pumped you know my name chris cornell that started after you know the gun barrel And you know, I got goosebumps, and it's just great to hear that. You know, it's all the music was just wonderful to hear in this film. Finally, just some some other visual things. I think I love that that even though this is a grittier Bond film, there's still you know some vibrancy here, and I think color kind of like goes in the next three films. I think Quantum Skyfall and Spectre they really kind of like lose the colour. I think Skyfall has some good uses of it but I think everything else here just feels like there's some weird filters over it. Casino Royale kind of like manages to maintain a good visual style mixed in with some more modern uh, uses of cinematography and camera work and, and all of that so you know, it this it this does feel so different from Dying of the Day in so many ways and that, that's just one of the things. Yeah. I can't really you know, go on anymore, but it was a wonderful experience and I'm kind of i re- I'm really glad that I've had this turnaround because Casino was always kind of like the film that yeah, it was the first one I saw at the cinema, but it kind of for me it's like the start of a weird era where I'm not I'm never gonna be a full fan of it. And even though I'm saying I love watching this film and i kind of appreciate the film way more it's still not going to go into my top 10 because for me it's not my preferred version of bond in a lot of senses it's not a daniel craig thing for me it's it's just more the type of film and i think no matter who was playing bond no matter what the story was i think it always would be because i think films from this area era <laughs> i think films from this era aren't my favorite thing and that's that's just the way it is i think if i'm just being really broad about it but no it's wonderful and I'm, I'm i'm saying it's wonderful and i'm trying to like say this a lot more because i know quantum is next and spoiler alert quantum is my least favorite bond film i would put it lower than never say never again for me as well i don't know about casino royale 67 because i've not seen that in so long quantum i've just never ever been a fan of i think i enjoyed it during the cinema kind of because it had some good action for a 13 year old me but yeah every every time i've watched it since I've, I've not enjoyed it and even though there are some good elements to it the majority of it for me is just absolutely just terrible <laughs> if i'm gonna be honest i'm gonna grit my teeth i'm gonna go watch it next time next week and i would love to hear what other people think about it i really would and i will i will do my best to talk positively but i cannot guarantee that the majority of it will not be me slating it (laughs) but let's end on a high casino royale was fantastic i hope everyone had a great time watching it definitely deserves its dues my favorite craig film i think it's his best performance i think it's the, the best craig film anyway objectively thanks for listening i'll speak to you all soon Hello,
7: this is Gary Kay. Just been to see Casino Royale on the big screen again for the first time since its original release. And wow, what a difference from Die Another Day. So glad that Michael G. Wilson and Barbara Broccoli listened to the criticism of Die Another Day and set the reset button in the way that they did. Daniel Craig convinces utterly throughout the entire film So believable, such a strong actor, such a strong screen presence. In fact, the entire cast are just so well-picked. Ava Green is superb as Vesper Lind. I'd really loved her in the role. I thought she was an extremely good leading lady for a James Bond film. Very good on-screen chemistry with Daniel Craig, which is obviously essential to the plot working. Mads Mickelson is excellent as Le chief certainly one of the greatest Bond villains in the entire series and it helps that this is a character that was written by Ian and created by Ian Fleming so we've got the the quirk of um, the character weeping blood from his eye which uh, just looks wonderful on screen in those moments in the casino with the high stakes poker game thinking of um, the poker game I have to mention Daniel Kleiman's superb one of the most striking title sequences in the entire series um, for Casino Royale. Such a wonderful title sequence with the playing card motifs echoing that high stakes poker game, and also the animated figures on the screen as well. I battling it out just looks one hundred percent. James Bond it just really does visually set the tone for the fantastic film that lies ahead after this screening i must admit that i've come to the conclusion that for me casino royale is in my top 3 james bond films alongside the spy who loved me and goldfinger the film is just so beautifully crafted um it's an absolutely outstanding james bond film we've got the performances that i've already mentioned Uh, We've also got some beautiful locations in the film. The visuals are accompanied by one of the very best David Arnold scores for the Bond series. As well as that really powerful, outstanding theme song by Chris Cornell. A great rock track that's made even better by David Arnold's infusion of orchestral moments... Throughout the song It's just such a fantastic track With those Daniel Kleiman titles Visuals accompanying it It just makes it something very, very special One of the other things this film's really got going for it Is the fact that there's some fantastic stunts Throughout the film One of the highlights being the chase On the building site with the cranes uh, something which you're not seeing war to all CGI like you were in much of Die Another Day in the action sequences there. You're seeing real stunt people doing real action sequences and even if you can tell in the odd little glimpse that it's a stunt person rather than the actor... It makes it that much more awe inspiring to look at the fact that it's real people doing these incredible stunts. Found it very interesting watching the film again with the knowledge of what happens in subsequent films, particularly Skyfall, Spectre, and No Time to Die. Seeing Mr. White at the beginning of that five film story arc with. Little hints about Spectre, but not actually using the name of that organisation in Casino Royale. Also Mathis, who appears in the subsequent film Quantum of Solace, knowing what happens in that film to that character. So many wonderful character moments throughout the film, with a quality cast really making those moments that much more impactful and that much more meaningful. And most importantly, Believable, Their performances utterly convince. As well as giving credit to that amazing cast, but also must give credit to Martin Campbell and the excellent job that he does as director on Casino Royale, a film that in many ways is very tonally different to GoldenEye, the film that he directed beforehand. But for me, he's crafted something in Casino Royale that's significantly better than Goldeneye. It's just a marvellous film, and for me it's a perfect Bond picture, as I said. I have to, you know, pull it in my top three favourite James Bond films of all time. I think Skyfall's probably going to be the only thing that might compete with it, so seeing that on the big screen again in two or three weeks' time, whenever I get to go and see it, it's going to be very interesting seeing how the two films compare, watching them fairly close together timeline-wise on the big screen again for the first time in many years. Very much hoping to go and see Quantum of Solace on the big screen next week, despite its flaws. I have grown to like the film a lot more over the years. Its features for me arguably David Arnold's best contribution thus far to the James Bond series of films. I love his score for Quantum of Solace. It's certainly one of the highlights of the film. So it would be wonderful to hear it again through a cinema sound system. As I mentioned, I had a fantastic time watching Casino Royale again on the big screen this week. Hope that many of you have got to see it on the big screen again as well. And thanks again to the Really 007 podcast crew for pulling out these entertaining and Insightful podcasts, as well as the interviews they've been putting out with people who've satiated with the James Bond films. Have a great week, everyone, and speak to you soon. So, you like action movies and you love the stars who perform their own stunts, right? Okay, stop. That's not what this show is. We visit movies from the archive and explore the stunt performers' role in creating the magic you see on screen. We take a deep dive into the stunt itself and break it down so you can better understand how important the stunt performers are to big and small screen productions. Join me, John Autie, every Wednesday for the podcast and every Friday for the YouTube episode. Action movie secrets every week when we go behind the stunts. Find it wherever you find your podcasts. You don't think this is a very good plan, do you?
0: So there is a plan. I got the impression we were risking millions of dollars and hundreds of lives on a game of luck. What else can you surmise, Mr. Bond?
4: About you, Miss lynn Well, your beauty's a problem. You worry you won't be taken seriously.
0: Which one can say of any attractive woman with half a brain.
4: True, but this one overcompensates by wearing slightly masculine clothing, being more aggressive than her female colleagues, which gives her a somewhat prickly demeanor. And ironically enough, Makes it less likely for her to be accepted and promoted by her male superiors. We mistake her insecurities for arrogance. Now, I'd have normally gone with only child, but, um... You see, by the way you ignored the quip about your parents, I'm gonna have to go with orphan.
0: All right. By the cut of his suit, you went to Oxford or wherever. Naturally think human beings dressed like that. But you were it with such disdain. My guess is you didn't come from money. And your school friends never let you forget it. Which means you were at that school by the grace of someone else's charity. Hence the chip on your shoulder. And since your first thought about me ran to orphan. That's what I'd say you are. Well, you are. (laughs) I like this poker thing. And that makes perfect sense. Since MI6 looks for maladjusted young men, I give little thought to sacrificing others in order to protect Queen and Country. You know. Former SAS types with easy smiles and expensive watches. Rolex. Amiga. Beautiful. Now, having just met you, I wouldn't go as far as calling you a cold hearted bastard. of yeah, course not. But it wouldn't be a stretch to imagine. You think of women as disposable pleasures rather than meaningful pursuits. So, as charming as you are, Mr. Bond, I will be keeping my eye on our government's money and off your perfectly formed house. You noticed? Even accountants have imagination. How was your lamb?
4: Skewered on sympathizers.
0: Good evening, Mr. Bond. Good evening, Miss Lind.
11: Hello, it's Patch here. I'm recording this from the island of Crete, as I'm on holiday, therefore I'm sadly unable to see Casino Royale at the cinema this week. A pity, because it's actually one of my favourites of the series. Nevertheless, I have still rewatched it recently, so let's dive into my general thought. Now, I'm absolutely delighted that Martin Campbell came back to direct this film, because it is absolutely gripping from beginning to end. Once again, things absolutely bathe in class and paciness to compliment a very tight script. I dare say, it's one of the most polished of the series, you know. So much thought is given to practically every part of the story and plot, and that's the sort of quality control that makes this film even more stand out. This is Daniel Craig's debut as Bond, and whatever one might think about the direction his films went in after Casino Royale, I personally believe he did an excellent job here. He comes across as more stoic and perhaps not as humorous as the quipping spy we've come to know Bond as, but there's a good reason for that. What we're seeing is Bond in his early days, learning to be a blunt instrument as Fleming envisaged him, and slowly gaining elements of his cinematic identity. I find this is helped by the way the film sort of deconstructs Bond's character, similar to certain ideas experimented with in Goldeneye. We realise that outside of Bond's apparent lack of emotion when it comes to killing, since that is his job. There is a softer side to this man, and any nonchalance he shows isn't that new for Bond. As I've discussed before, Connery tapped into this in his later films. It shows a great confidence and swagger, elements of the character that are not easy to pull off. The first 55 minutes is a great mixture between certain elements that define a Bond film, but also something different, which is an interesting move that helps give Craig's Bond a unique identity from his predecessors. Some might therefore say that there are two stories in one film here. The card game that is the central part of the original Fleming novel only takes up the second third of the whole adventure, after all. I don't mind this, however, because this is more than just an adaptation or reimagining of the novel. Some have called it Bond Begins, and I couldn't put it any better, since the Craig films are set in a different continuity to Bond's 1-20. to Anyhow, Mads Nicholson's Le Chiffre is one of those Bond antagonists where the guy isn't much of a physical threat to our hero, aside from when he's using a carpet beater in that brutally tense torture scene, but remains memorable because of their menacing performance. It's the same reason why I admire Donald Pleasance as Blofeld. I don't think all Bond villains need to be physical, they can have henchmen to fill that gap. And then there's their intellectual prowess, which can cause more than enough problems for Bond. Case in point, poisoning Bond's drink and almost succeeding in killing him if it weren't for Vesper. Killing Le Chiffre off before the climax at first might be a disappointment to some, yet I consider it great expectation subversion. Think about it, it heightens the stakes for the climax. We the audience are given an indication that while Bond and Vesper seem happy together, they are not safe at all. Speaking of which, doesn't their relationship feel so real and multi-layered? You need a great director and actors to make it work amazingly like Bond and Tracy's relationship in Majesties, and Campbell was absolutely the right man for the job. Daniel Craig and Eva Green's performances are also enhanced by some genuinely great dialogue, witty and emotionally impactful in all the right areas. Sylvester's death felt more impactful on this rewatch knowing how the Craig era ends. I don't know if it's made explicitly clear why she commits suicide in that lift, but I have my interpretations. Perhaps she's decided she's realised something that Bond hasn't yet. As also shown by Majesty's ending, the reason why Bond can't settle down and have a family is because his lifestyle as a spy, with its consequences, are so dangerous that they will never leave him. He carries too big a burden for it to work, and that will go on to affect his relationship with Madeline Swan Inspector, and No Time To Die. As with Die Another Day score, I have nothing but praise to give David Arnold for this score. It takes a slightly different approach to the Brosnan era scores, reflecting the more grounded tone of Casino Royale. But even without the Bond theme being used that often, many tracks still feel very Bondian. The highlights? Well, I'd recommend African Rundown, Blunt Instrument, Dinner Jackets, particularly for how it teaches us with bits of the Bond theme, the end of an Aston Martin, City of Lovers, the beautifully haunting Vespers theme, and of course, the name's Bond, James Bond. The fact I've listed so many tracks is a testament to how great the entire score is. One of Arnold's best without a doubt. Out of the 2 candle Campbell-directed Bonds, I find I prefer GoldenEye slightly more than Casino Royale for being more accessible. The latter requires some an investment and a willingness to be open to the way it breaks with some parts of the traditional Bond formula. And yet I would never for one second consider this to only be a great film for I also see it as being an exceptional Bond film. Craig Bond's era and art continues next, and I look forward to re-experiencing this one-of-a-kind tenure in the Bond canon as it unfolds.
12: Hello everybody, this is Dom here giving my thoughts on Casino Royale. I have to say, I think this film is bloody brilliant. I will get to give my thoughts about this film over the next few moments, but something to note here is Daniel Craig's very first appearance of James Bond is totally different to the norm that we have come to know and love, but it gets portrayed in such a way that it is very memorable and outstanding in my opinion. I do not have time to get to the cinema unfortunately, however in 2006 I got to watch it for the first time on one of the first nights I think. I was too young to appreciate what they'd done with the making of this, but watching it several times years later makes it even more shocking that they decided to go this way. The first thing, not having a gun barrel is a bit odd, but as a James Bond fan it is easy to understand why they did this, and in black and white, as well as showing Bond getting his two kills for his double O status. The meeting with Dryden to kill him because he's been doing dirty dealings on the side is done well, with Bond taking the bullets and getting a clean kill, as opposed to the other guy in the bathroom of the cricket if you've watched the deleted scene, is quite the opposite as it is very gruesome and gory. Then we get to him being drowned but it's not quite enough as Bond is forced to shoot the guy turning round to lead us to the gun barrel and the pre-title sequence which is excellent. Daniel Kleiman does a great job of the pre-title sequence, the colours and cards, and just the fighting and card suits, and half of everything just built up that this is going to be a movie about gambling or in the casino, and paints a picture for the film that we're about to witness, and includes James Bond being given his 00 status or O status confirmed. The song by Chris Cornell was excellent, You Know My Name is one of my favourite James Bond songs, I love Chris Cornell, I love All Dear Slave. It's a great artist and he's sadly missed. The scene in the pre-title sequence after in Uganda paints a picture that Mr. White and the Shifra are some kind of finance dealers. They take the guy's money and they're there to protect it. However, as we learn through the film, he takes someone's assets and something goes wrong so he loses the money. Hence why he organises the casino game to try and regain the money. The next scene, Madagascar, is fantastic. I love the music in this scene, I'll talk about the music later on, but it's good music for the scene. James Bond chasing after the terrorists, going across the cranes and jumping and doing his own stunts, which I think he's one of the first ones to do more of his own stunts. I suppose Dalton did some stunts, but I think Craig's probably done more stunt work. It just shows off his ruthlessness, that he kills the terrorist in cold blood and blows up the embassy just to get the phone, which has the secret code on it. Then we see more of Lushufra being told the bad news that he hasn't won and he's lost a lot of money. We're playing poker against those guys on the boat and we see his characteristic skill of weeping blood which makes him a very sinister character and to be honest Mads Mikkelsen is a fantastic actor and memorable and plays it so well. Something confusing now is that Judy Dench makes an appearance as M once again, which is most unusual as the series has been rewritten. She is totally different in this generation, a lot more feisty and plays off quite well against Bond I don't know if they were gonna cast another M for to for this series, but M, Judy Dench, she's played well here. She's very feisty with James Bond when he breaks into her apartment to find out where the text message has been sent from. Anyway, she has her doubts about giving Bond a below status and sends him off for a couple of weeks to reconsider his behaviour after his ruthlessness. However, he just continues his mission anyway and proceeds to go to the Bahamas to track down the terrorist. Now we get an interesting scene where Bond arrives in the Bahamas. I love the music here, it just reminds me of Live and Let Die Boat Chase. however it's not the actual James Bond song as they didn't actually put it in the film at any point apart from the ending. I think it's done quite well in this way and paints a picture that he's not quite our James Bond just yet. He finds out who sends the message and he also finds he has a lovely Aston Martin DB5 which is a nice way to introduce it back into this new series. Craig in the blue shorts, yeah I gotta talk about it but to be honest I'm not gonna talk that much because nobody shuts up about it so. We'll leave it there. Bond meets the guy who has the Aston and sends a message. Finds his name is Alex Dimitrios, who is playing poker in the hotel. Manages to win the Aston off him and basically his wife as well. Before he has a chance to get into her, he's off to Miami to stop this terrorist situation from going on. I really like the scene in Miami in the museum with all the dead bodies and skeletons and then the airport. It's done really well. Richard Branson's cameo in this, although I'm not quite sure why they had to include that. But yeah, Bond stops the terrorists, puts the bomb round his belt and then smiles with glee as he is blown up miles away from the plane. So Bond manages to save the day. Then M comes back to the Bahamas to basically track him down as he is basically causing so much shit that M can't tolerate it basically. But she tells him to carry on with his mission anyway and off we go to Montenegro for the poker game. The train scene in Montenegro where he meets the wonderful Eva Green or Vespa, she is absolutely stunning and definitely top tier Bond girl for me. She's feisty, resourceful, very smart, however she isn't much of an action girl like Natalia. When she sees the violence in the hotel staircase basically, she's shocked so bad that she goes in the shower and Bond has to comfort her basically. But anyway, the train scene is brilliant, they're bouncing off each other. Basically, they don't like each other, but for the sake of the mission, they just get on with their jobs. But talking about their upbringings and stuff, I think it's done really well. The lamb, skewers and just stuff like that, basically. Yeah, we get to the hotel. The Aston Martin DBS is a beautiful-looking car. It's a shame there's no gadgets, but then there's no really MI6. There's no quartermaster, so it's a shame we don't get to see any gadgets. Um, Daniel Craig in a tuxedo is quite something, and they basically prepare their outfits for each other and say they need them looking outstanding, that's done very well, it's funny. The casino stuff is a struggle for me, I don't understand poker at all, so yeah, it's a bit over my head, but the intervals where he kills the African guy in the staircase and Mathis phones the dead bodies in the car, I think that stuff's good. I don't really understand Mathis's role because one minute he's good, one minute he's bad and then all of a sudden, well in the next film, he's good again. So, I don't really understand this character, but I like him. He's calm and chilled out, and he makes a good ally. Bond getting poisoned is a good scene where the music builds up and the lens goes blurry. I like it when he walks back to Zastan to try and restart his heart, but fails. And then Vesper luckily comes along. I suppose he dies, and then it's practice for no time to die. (laughs) Anyway, back to the poker game. I don't really understand. I know Bond loses his stake in the game, and basically Felix rescues him. But, I just, yeah, I, I don't really understand the card scenes, to be honest. So, we'll leave it there. Having dinner with Vespa, trying to get to the bottom of Vespa, trying to understand her, she's not opening up, that's a good scene. But whoever texts her and says she's needed but actually gets captured, I don't quite understand how Bond gets alarmed so quickly and chases after her. It's a shame that the Aston is not seen that much and gets rolled over, but it is a fantastic stunt. The torture scene, I suspect that will get a lot of laughs in the cinema, I still find it funny today to be honest, it's probably it's done, it's done in a good way it's not sort of overdone like Roger Moore but for the seriousness of, of this film it's it's done well with La He just won't give in to telling him the code basically. We hear gunshots and we think vespa has been killed but actually it's Mr White killing uh girlfriend and he kills Le Chiffre. Although I don't really understand why he does this because I thought they were together in Uganda so that's an odd one for me. I don't really get falling in love with Vespa so quickly to be honest. It's... A good love chemistry of the series, but it's not as good as Tracy from On The Majesties, but it's better than Madeline Swan. Bond decides to leave the service to go around the world with Vesper, however she's being played by Quantum still, or if you think about it, basically Blofeld, which is a massive fuck up for the Craig series. But in 2006, it's fine. Going into Venice to get the money out basically to go around and then finding out she's stolen it, leading to the building being sank, is a good scene and it's very emotional when Vesper locks herself in the lift and drowns basically. Bond tries everything to get her out but he can't do it. Well he does it but not with her alive. This therefore makes his heartache continue for his generation of Bond which is good to see an emotional side to James Bond but not in every film to be honest. I wish they'd just sort of not done the whole it's five films thing and just done separate ones but never mind. She leaves her phone out for Bond so he can basically chase after the people that basically got her killed. Although it was nice that They were basically going to get him killed, and she basically didn't allow that to happen, so she saved his life, basically. Then we get to Lake Como with Mr. White, where he meets him, shoots him in the leg, and then ends with that fantastic line, Bond, James Bond. And then the Bond music, which is just fantastic. I absolutely love the uh, end credits James Bond theme. We finally get his theme there. What a moment that is, to be honest. I still get goosebumps thinking about it. So yeah, that's Casino Royale for me. It's a top-tier Bond film. It starts the new generation off very well. It's shot brilliantly. Martin Campbell, just do anything to get him back for Bond 26 at all costs. He's a fantastic director. He does it justice. Even Purvis and Wade have written a brilliant story for once. This film is very watchable. You have to be in the mood for it, however, to understand the plot twists and otherwise all that. But you won't understand it properly. It's not a film you can just put on on a Sunday afternoon after roast dinner and sink back into your chair. It's a lot more serious. I like the casting of Daniel Craig. I know he got a lot of slack at the time, but I think he's a brilliant actor who's grown into the role. It's just a shame that they couldn't give him a happy ending for all his films, and they had to give him a dark edge and emotionally damaged Jane Bond rather than the previous actors, who have all come who we've all come to know and love. I mean, Dalton's kind of the same, but obviously he gets a happy ending. So, yeah. It's not a bad first film. I'm a big fan of Live and Let Die, The Living Daylights and Goldeneye, for instance, as for Bond debuts. They're definitely in my top three, or top sort of five to ten. I like Ava Green as Vesper. She is a brilliant Bond girl. Once again, she's beautiful and charismatic. Definitely in the top five Bond girls. I like M in this film, even though she's not in it for much, very long. It's definitely different to how she's been played in the previous series, but she plays it well. It's a shame there's no extra MI6 crew apart from the young guy at the computer. I don't even know his name, to be honest. He's not very memorable at all. I like the villain, Le Chiffre. He's very mysterious. Mads Mikkelsen does a great job with him. Mr. White is a memorable character as well. Mathis has done well. I haven't even spoke about Felix yet. He's not in it for very long either, but it's good they introduced the character back after a long period away. Jeffrey Wright is a good actor. I don't really know why Felix is sort of Knowing it for that long, but he's at the table, but they don't really tell us he, that it's him at the table, at the casino table, until Bond's basically gonna kill the Shifra and hands him his steak. I like the score by David Arnold, he does a sterling job here, I like the way they use You Know My Name as the main song rather than the James Bond song, as he's basically inexperienced and he's just an agent going out to uh, do his job basically, but he's not a good agent, he hasn't proved himself yet. I mean, it's a good soundtrack, but for me, David Arnold, my favourite soundtrack is Still Tomorrow Never Dies, so I'm going to hold that down right to the day I die. I like the way it works. I like Vesper's theme as well. There's just so many little things in it. The uh, crane chase music, the Venice sinking building music. I really like that music as well. I feel this would be a good film if it wasn't a James Bond film and just a normal action film in its own right. But that would leave us with no sequel and to be honest it would be better in that way if it wasn't sort of you know you know how it all ended up i won't go into it now anyway i've spoke for far too long enjoy the film everybody
4: You're welcome. I'll get yourself off to hospital. I will do. As soon as I've won this game.
0: They're not seriously going back there.
3: I wouldn't dream of it. We wouldn't dream of doing a Casino Royale on the big screen, part two. Go on then. <laughs>